0: Hey everybody. It's the Weird Rap Discussion Gang. Usually I don't post these on the podcast feed. They're usually only on the YouTube and the Patreon, but this one I wanted to put on here because I just think that Billy Woods is amazing and I think more people need to know about it and I think we get pretty deep into this album Hiding Places and I hope that it will give people that are already familiar New appreciation for it and uh, maybe introduce some people that don't know. And um, yeah, this is co-hosted by Chief and the Doomsday Device. I also recommend you check out Device.com, That's where he hosts his blog and you'll find links to his music, which is awesome. And even he has like a film blog and all kinds of different stuff linked on there. So anyway, I got a couple of proper podcast episodes in the works right now. I'm editing them. I'm hoping to get them out real soon. So stay tuned, and thank you for listening. Yes, we are discussing Billy Woods and Kenny Segal's "Hiding Places" album. And as we were just saying, since it's only the two of us this time, it looks like that is just fine because there's a lot to say about this album, and I don't think i really made a great dent in it you know like when you uh suggested this album chief i was a little bit hesitant because i knew how dense it is and how much um research and thought it would take to really wrap my head around it but um i feel like i at least through especially through listening to a lot of interviews and reading interviews about woods talking about the album i think i got a decent sense of what it's about in general and i took the time to really poke at a couple of the songs in particular so um we'll see we'll see what we can see
1: yeah yeah man. this uh this one i kind of suggested just because i wanted to use it as an excuse to really pick the album apart you know so i went and printed out all the lyrics for myself and then uh I had a good time just listening to it and waiting for the lines that I always recognize and like and say to myself and was highlighting those and then just sort of looking around and like, what leads up to that line? What does he follow up with? Yeah. Yeah. I really dig his style. So I'm looking forward to talking about it with you.
0: Yeah. Let's just, maybe before we go into the music, let me find my notes, but maybe it'd be good to just talk about, The title itself, first of all, like what did you what do you get out of the title?
1: Uh for me, it seems like a sort of like almost a hibernation, if you will, like sort of a isolation and meditation sort of deal, assessing where you've been at up to this point and plotting your next move and just making sure that you you first and foremost understand what it is that makes you valuable or what it is that makes you perceptive about the world around you. And once you've got a clear understanding of that, how's that something you can externalize and I don't want to say weaponize is necessarily the word, but you know use to activate in some sort of way, whether it be activate you personally or activate others to assess their situation
0: yeah that interpretation reminds me of the song uh spider hole which is like a military thing where you're hiding in a hole ready to spring out and shoot somebody or whatever um but uh yeah i feel like this title means like a bunch of different things and um woods actually responded to my like as some of our listeners viewers might know i i did dissect one of his songs a couple weeks ago and i i sent him my notes because i was hoping he would like maybe expand on it or tell me where i was right or wrong or whatever and he um he did get back to me eventually and told me that like things are meant to have layered meanings like hopefully um there will be different meanings for every line or a lot of the lines at least and uh i feel like this title especially just has tons of different um meanings like and this is based partially on just hearing him talk about the album or reading interviews where he's talking about the album and what it means but yeah i think you could say that it it uh has to do with um secrets and like high things that people are hiding. he talked about like those times when you're having a conversation with someone and, and someone pauses for a moment and the the idea of thinking about what was going through their head while they made that pause and uh, it's just like shows you how deep this guy thinks, you know, like he really, he has a special mind, I think. And um
1: have you, I don't mean to interrupt, but have you seen the movie Waking Life?
0: Waking Life? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was a,
1: there was a whole segment in that movie about that idea. Uh, they called it the golden moment. Mm-hmm. And there was a big thing about, are you comfortable enough to sit in that moment and assess it? Or are you one of those people that just has to interject sound into it?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that part. But yeah, that's an awesome movie. Um yeah. And I think, you know, he was saying he was going through like a tough time in his life personally, didn't elaborate on it, but that during the making of this album and kind of alluded to the idea that maybe this whole, the process of recording this album was a place for him to hide his feelings, you know, to a place to put his emotions or whatever um, from stuff that was happening at the time and uh he said that it um relates a lot to childhood too um and i think that is um kind of mirrored with the the artwork there's a whole bunch of like variant artwork for this album on the different um vinyl and tapes and all that stuff and most of it has to do with the little red riding hood um story with this wolf and this and the little girl and um and then he I, he also goes into some other like fairy tale stuff with the the three little pigs but yeah this wolf is a recurring character and the the sort of kind of the scariness of childhood is what i think he's he talks about a lot um which i could yeah, definitely
1: I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead.
0: I just think probably it's something that most kids can relate to is like the terrifying realities that you're faced with as a kid. And from not only from your imagination, but just like the reality of the world that you're growing up into. Um,
1: Yeah. I hadn't thought about it in that necessarily in that lens. And so when I was listening to it this past week, I was certainly trying to, listen to it with that point of view of childhood especially Uh, i wasn't aware of the variant covers until you brought them up but in terms of the childhood perspective i was picking up a lot of nature versus nurture vibes and then a whole lot of like innocence loss kind of stuff
0: yeah yeah and then of course hide and go seek is a game that kids play i don't know if that has something to do with the title but uh um
1: well I mean, like, he also makes allusion to things like snipers quite a bit, which is adult hide-and-go-seek, basically.
0: Yeah. And then there's one line where he's talking about, it's a game, like, it's a game of inches, like when you beat the cops to the spot, which is like this juxtaposition of a childhood thing, a game, but with such, you know, serious adult, you know, um imagery attached to it. So
1: that was one of the lines that I put the highlighter on. I've always loved that line.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a couple amazing lines. I'll save my favorite most impactful one for later maybe, but uh
1: agreed. I'm I'm afraid that I'm just going to turn into and then here's my other favorite line from this album, so I'm going to try to refrain from that as much as I can. <laughs>
0: i'm a little nervous about talking about this album too because i feel like it's such like in a a deep thoughtful work that like really deserves a whole like college course or something to properly you know dissect and present but you know we're gonna do our best here so
1: i tried to pick out some references too so i'll try to throw some ideas and see what you think on it
0: okay cool um I just want to see if I wrote anything else interesting about hiding places, um, the title itself. Yeah. yeah. The
1: only cover I saw was the wolf in the bed with Little Red Riding Hood standing right in front of them. But that was cool.
0: Yeah, well, let's talk about that a little bit more because some of, some of them, um, a fair amount of them show the wolf as like, of course, there's the wolf dressed up as a grandma, which just in itself—just take that idea, that image itself—and just relate that to being a child and how fucking scary that idea is—that your grandma is this monster. Um, and then, but the a lot of the wolf depictions show it as if it's a human with a costume of a wolf on top of it which I think Mm -hmm. is significant because it's like, that's what a lot of people do to cope with the, the harsh um, hostile environment that we grow up into is we have to put on the costume of this tough, fierce thing, you know, to deal with the tough, fierce world. Um, And so, and I also think that relates to childhood because when, when you do that at a young age, you're kind of like, gonna stunt your growth and development and there's gonna be this little child left hiding inside of you for your your whole life and i think there's even one variant that shows the wolf as a child it's a little wolf in a diaper and then the the red hands are picking it up but yeah there's other hiding other hiding places things that i wrote wrote in my notes were like the idea of like hiding in a bomb shelter or hiding in an attic while the Gestapo comes to look for you. These are things that are alluded to in the lyrics and the video and like, um, the SpongeBob video has him descending down the staircase and do like a pantry in a basement, which, you know, kind of, I think is all just kind of hinting at this dark, um, near future and present where that we're in where it just seems like he is uh very much aware of the the rise of of fascism and this imperialist force that's that's throughout history been like committing atrocities and is seems to be as strong as ever if not stronger right now and he's kind of like very much kind of concerned with it as we all should be So we'll start with Spongebob here.
2: March through the orchestra pit The ripped CDR skip You hope the CDS don't stick Been over dope sick Too scared to write the book Took it, put it in the hook Of a song Listen to it, looks like I wasn't wrong Hit it where they wouldn't look, looking like Sedong, Looking at Taiwan like, look, they shook Let's get it on Shots whizzed, his depression was all gone Emotional lifting, please use the proper form Bended the knee, rolled up half a guam Lost no sleep over the fate of white form What well, goes, come back around So when they came for me, I won the alone
0: Oh, it sounds beautiful in headphones, too. I really appreciate this album the more and more I listen to it um, each time, just not only lyrically, but sonically. It's beautiful.
1: Yeah, the beats are very lush, and they are mixed very well to when in the headphones it just unfolds waves of sound on you.
0: Yeah. And so, well, this song is w- one of a few that I really tried to uh, examine as far as the lyrics go. Um, and I'm not exactly sure why it's called SpongeBob. Of course, like SpongeBob does allude to childhood again. Um, the direct you know, line is the whole operation underwater, which of course SpongeBob takes place underwater. And I guess, I think that could be talking about like when something goes underwater, it's like it sunk. the. Sh- this operation is all fucked up. And I think he's kind of talking like talking about a failure of the military industrial complex maybe, or just a failure of this dream of a, of a free nation that's failing because um, later as the verse continues, he, he talks a lot about like military operations That are examples of the military industrial complex, you know, selling arms to people that then use the arms against their own countries and just this hypocrisy and just the brutal violence that happens because of this fucked up like system that we're in.
1: I think that's the framework for sure. I think you're 100% right about that, especially the military in regards to this sort of nationhood. I think he's also using that as a sort of analogy for the failure of self-belief and more like trying to put, put your faith, like using God almost as a scapegoat because you don't have enough fortitude to, to pull this through or you don't have the integrity to accept a loss and, you know, take what you learn from that loss and turn it into a greater victory, you know? Like, because the whole military thing and one nation under God and sort of using that weird sense of religion to invoke nationalism when it's time to rev up the war machine God forbid it fail, everything will go to shit, you know, the whole operations underwater kind of thing. So I think you mentioned him talking in levels. I think that's one of those sort of leveled
0: metaphors that he's using. Yeah, and then SpongeBob being obviously like a fantasy world, you know, that could be alluding to the fantasy of this country and these ideals.
1: A fantasy and yet a reality because they live, the same way that we live but forced to live underwater you know like they've just accepted this inevitability almost
0: the song starts with uh the line mosh through the orchestra pit the ripped cdr skips which is uh two images that i feel like talk about like a jarring breakup a discord within something that was designed with care and thought and meant to be like a harmonious, beautiful thing. Like, well, like an orchestra pit at least is like, you know, it's it denotes that um, care and harmony and sophistication too, like this sort of high society sort of uh, ideal um, with a mosh pit going through it, obviously just like fucking up that. Idea and then a ripped CDR is more like uh, something of a lower class, you know, like underground bootlegging version. But also like this idea of like, you know, it takes care to to rip something and then burn it to a CD. It's something that you you value and care about, and then it gets it's skipping now because it's fucking scratched. And you know, and this two different like ideas of like these attempts to make something that's that are now getting fucked up is how I read those that line um, and then the next line is you hope the CDS don't stick bent over dope sick which is like um, I, I imagine that stands for the controlled dangerous substance um, which is like the police terminology for uh, a char a drug possession or intent to distribute charge um and you know so it's kind of like alluding to recent trouble with the law and um involvement in drug use and the the uh negative side effects of of those actions um, which are of course you know those actions in themselves were coping mechanisms probably for the fucked up system that we're born into um and he says then too scared to write the book took it put it in the hook of a song no one listened to looks like i wasn't wrong hit it where they wouldn't look and there's so much to say about this part um but of course obviously it's a hiding place he's talking about you know I had something to say. I, I, I hit it in the hook of this, of a song. Um, I was, that's seems like also an allusion to his own, like creative writing, um, uh, ideas about, you know, just being an artist and, and being afraid. I think fear again, comes a lot into this album. Um, a fear of failure um self-doubt maybe about being able to properly write a a book and instead just kind of taking an easier route route and writing the rap songs instead um
1: i feel like that falls into that whole thing of taking agency of your situation you know you could jump out on limb and write a book or you could try the same thing a million other people have tried and just write a song, you know, write a rap song with a catchy hook. Oh, you didn't cut through the noise. Looks like I was right, you know?
0: Yeah. And then this isn't my, all my own research. I did a little looking on Genius.com, but someone there pointed out that this line is kind of an interpolation of an MF Doom line from the song Gazillionaire, where he says, mm-hmm. sick, slick, hidden in a book the only way they find it if you're spitting in a hook. And there's a lot to say about just that line itself and it also reflects back on what he's talking about here I think because so like I think part of that line is based on the Chris Rock joke, you know, you should hide your money in books cuz N-words don't read. And then it's also talking about like Possibly talking about how illegal activities can be written in a book, like a bookie's betting book, um, and you know, so it's like that's where your the uh, sick slick actions are hidden, and the only way anyone's going to find it is if you spit it in a hook, which is alluding to like self snitching, which MF Doom has talked about um, before. And which Woods is kind of talking about like, uh, you know, some possibly talking about um, some past troubles with uh, the law or on the street that he may be putting into a song. And I'm only saying that because I, I heard him allude to this in an interview where this is part of the reason he originally stopped uh, or the part of the reason he originally Decided to not show his face in public was because he was running from some shit that he didn't elaborate on. That you know had to do with the street and/or the law.
1: I like how he extends on this metaphor with the next lines, where you know he's like looking like Zedong, which Mao said but it's this whole like you've built yourself up to be this figure. The song's not doing it for you. Nobody cares. And so it feels like he transitions from talking about himself into sort of building that every rapper example. And it's like, well, now I got to put all this tough talk into action. And you mess around and get caught up in the streets, you know, with the whole looking at Taiwan, Taiwan being other rappers, other people. Look, they shook. Let's get it on. Shot whizzed, and his depression was all gone you get that quick tough guy fix, you know, and then you get hooked on it.
0: I think I stopped looking at the verse at that point, And I was just like, all right, let's go to the, skip to the chorus. Cause I'm not going to spend my whole life looking at this song.
1: Well, and you did bring up earlier, you talked about the whole costume thing of the wolf aspect. And he's got that line right before the chorus where he's like, people put up a good front, but you can see the zipper that kind of alludes to people like in the wolf costume and if you're scared of that kind of thing you're not going to see that oh this is just some dude pretending to be a wolf and not a wolf
0: yeah yeah so hiding places you know you can again compare that to the fact that he is hiding his face billy woods doesn't show his face in public and then he of course um references mf doom here and i heard him you know speaking very highly of doom in a past interview too so i think maybe you could say there's a an influence there in the hiding the face
1: that was one other thing i wanted to mention you talked about the interpolation of the doom line he does that a lot in this album of with a few rappers like there's a couple of direct outcast references as well but he'll like sort of glean the rhythm or like parts of other lines and use them referentially
0: yeah i think there's a public enemy line got a letter from the something or Mm -hmm. yeah um well yeah the only other parts of this song that i looked at were the rest of the chorus where he says it's only one god what we said in torah Bora. um and i felt like that could be Alluding to both Christianity and Islam, like in, the, in this context of this chorus, I think he's talking a lot about the U.S. versus like Middle Eastern stuff that went on and uh, Tora Bora, the Battle of Tora Bora, I think it's referred to as the uh, this failed military operation to find Osama bin Laden at a certain point in these underground caves, uh, hiding places again. But basically, I think it's comparing both faiths um, in a way. And this next line, "the bombs was on us," the bombs was on us has a lot of um, I think three meanings. Basically, is how I looked at it. Is like the fact that okay, the bombs was on us. Basically, we provided the the weapons for this. Uh, for the militaries of the world. We we gave them in some cases, like the Al-Qaeda was supposedly assisted by the CIA. So in a way, like we gave them the weapons that they used against us. The bombs fell on us, you know? And then, then it's just like, the blame is on you. Like the blame is on us. The bombs was on us. The blame for that was on us.
1: Maybe even, two from the absence of evidence is not the evidence of absence stance to a fourth interpretation. You know those bombs we scared you about? Yeah, we made that up. That was on us.
0: Yeah, right, right. Yeah, the bombs that, yeah, the weapons of mass destruction that weren't there. Yep. And then came back to God like, motherfucker, you promised. You promised.
1: That was the moment, the first time I heard this album, that I was hooked. Like I was into the first verse and then that first punch of the chorus that came back to God, like motherfucker, you promise I was like, Okay, I'm I'm sold, I'm listening to whatever else you gotta tell me the rest of this album.
0: Yeah, I didn't get it at first, but I guess with some thought and some more genius dot com referencing, um not only does that probably refer to the promise of the muslim or afterlife of 72 virgins that will you know you'll be rewarded with for dying in a holy war as well it can relate to like the line like in the bible genesis 9 i promise every living creature that the earth and those living on it will never again be destroyed by a flood um and he's talking about a metaphorical flood I guess in this song You know mm-hmm. So I don't know But yep yeah, It's a good song
1: Good opening track
0: Should we go to um, Spider Hole?
1: Uh, we can I was gonna Just wanna mention For Steak Nines was one of the deals Where he does the Outcast interpolation mm. Where he's all Kept smiling like a clown Facial expression Looking silly He does the whole Elevators thing
0: yeah I look-
1: yeah but we can go, we can go straight to the spider hole I'm down for that
0: okay
2: holding my breath in the crawl space Wait, tape to my body barbarians at the gate Benghazi wait tape ain't even out yet how the hell they get a copy Survived by the grace, grace from God, be averted eyes advised passing through the building lobby. You don't want smoke. National Geographic, Negroes cooking coke. Anthropologists watch the Negroes sell dope. A huddle corners, corner stores, shot notes. Hand to hand, as stay forefathers before. It's a good trope. trope. A good, fascinating stuff. Coming full finger where the coke was clutched. I
1: feel like he's if you had to just wrap it up in a word or two what the song is about, I would say gentrification. Uh, especially the whole the chorus. The wry smile, copping legal weed from fake hole in the wall. I don't want to go see Nas with an orchestra at Carnegie Hall. Just talking about all this co-opting of these subcultures and taking them and monetizing them and no regard for the soul of it all and You know, don't call me again, or the whole no man of the people. I wouldn't be caught dead with none of y'all, which he kind of touches upon in later songs where he's like, I've been living here for 15, 20 years. It's sort of this whole, I've watched this place change over and over. And, I've, you know, it's just funny to hear people complain and watch people change what's what and be, oh, you should have been here when when sometimes you're the people that ruined the you should have been here winning, you know. And then uh, I would say the other line that got my thinking, it was about gentrification, was the National Geographic Negroes cooking coke, anthropologists watching Negroes sell dope, a huddle corners, corner store jotting notes, hand to hand, much as they forefathers before. It's a good trope, fascinating stuff. And yeah. just this whole objective eye of watching that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, that rings totally true. Just the idea of, of gentrification and the um, the privileged gaze on the uh, on the, on poverty and the culture of the uh, oppressed. Very, I agree. I think you're right there. Yeah,
1: he also kind of starts to set up the idea that he gets into a little later about. Well, no, I guess he's not setting it up because he even brought it up with SpongeBob, but this sort of mixing of religion and war. Um, there's a line later on where he's like snipers in the minaret, which are you familiar with the minaret? No. A uh, minaret is a fixture usually on a mosque, and it's one of the like tall towers with sort of a roundabout rotunda. And it's usually where you call out prayer so putting the whole like snipers in this thing that's supposed to bring people to it for prayer is a interesting juxtaposition of ideas, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he's pro religion in
1: general. Yeah, I would agree based on some of the stuff that I've heard.
0: Let's uh let's listen to bedtime here. This is a crazy song. Um I'll just uh, preface it I guess with it seems to be broken into two halves um the first one is like talking about these women that were disappeared and hidden basically like murdered women that went missing and they come back from beyond the grave to seek their revenge essentially
1: yeah, he makes, in that part you're talking about, he makes a reference to the allegory of the cave as well.
0: Yeah, so there's the cave thing, and then he ends the fucking verse with the, the craziest line of the whole album, I think, which is, what is it? I want to get it right.
1: It's Ain't No Bedtime, Mama on Cocaine.
0: Yeah. God.
1: It's like this throwaway punctuation at the end. Ain't no bedtime, Mama's on Cocaine. <laughs>
0: enough said oh my god that's just so is visceral the right word to say for that i don't know it's just like brings so much emotion that you can't even like verbalize it's, it
1: it's definitely a phantom punch of a line it's one of those lines that you hear and then you picture it and you're like oh damn
0: yeah should be a fucking a t-shirt for the edgy for the edgy kids to wear <laughs>
2: One night, every woman came about her grave. Or wherever she was put, murdered, some cleverly hidden place. Niggas was hiding behind drapes, or trying to load a 38. Went to shoot, I'm like, what that gonna do? That bullet's for you, trust, you don't wanna see her face. The monsters, hey, I'm a hyena, so it's nothing to wait. Played the backlog and the fire crack, shadows dance about the cave. They gave the shadows names, give men freedom, they'll beg for chains. beg for change, ain't no bad time, I'm on cocaine.
0: Sonically, this is my favorite song on the album, too. It's just beautifully kind of disjointed and fucked up. Um.
1: Yeah, nice beat switch, too, which... I'm sure we'll cover in a little bit. Yeah, that whole that played on the backlog and the fire crack shadows danced out the cave. That's the whole allegory of the cave where you've got those people captured and then they have captors but all they see are the shadows and these shadows are such momentous figures that they have to appoint them something to understand why they fear them. And then, you know, they're like, oh, we're trapped by these people somebody help us when in all actuality they're men just like you on the other side of those shadows Mm -hmm. or i guess you know it's setting up women and men but they're people just like you and if you wanted to you could change your destiny
0: yeah i think this song this verse also relates to a theme that comes back in a lot of woods's stuff is um like imperialist, colonialist wrongdoing over over the years, this history of it, and the idea that it's sowing the seeds for a bloody revolt. He references a lot um, Mugabe, the prime minister of Zimbabwe, who he has very close... Ties to his dad worked under his administration in some capacity, just after Zimbabwe um, was liberated, basically, and changed from Rhodesia to Zimbabwe. It was basically like an apartheid um, colony, British colony, and it was newly liberated under a semi-Marxist framework, um, and he. He references uh, Mugabe a lot. I think he even put his, like, picture on on an album cover of his... Uh, on History Will Absolve Me.
1: He even talks about Grace Mugabe as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think, like, one notable um, thing that Mugabe did that Woods references again in his lyrics is when the white landowners of some sort were supposed to be... Um, basically transferring the land over to the native people and it was taking too long it wasn't it just wasn't happening as it was supposed to happen he just said take it he told the people to take the land you know by force and this is like you know this is part of his belief system i think which is um you know, i can't disagree with it kind of need to get forceful to get get your uh Freedom sometimes. Um but yeah, let's go to the second verse, which is um about this fantasy kind of like kids waking up and there's no adults and having fun, um running amok in the town and playing around and then then the sun starts setting and dog's not back and it's just like this ominous like oh shit moment and so like evoking of this the childhood fears and
1: probably giving away a great movie idea but that second verse sounds like if lord of the flies happened in like new york (laughs) yeah just kids all over the place
0: someone should make that movie
1: yeah no nobody steal that idea i'm making that movie (laughs) somebody pay me to make that movie
0: it's officially copyrighted right now.
2: <laughs> One morning all grown-ups was missing. Once it dawned on them, kids ate all the snacks in the kitchen, unless they was poor. Then they went in the store, took all that and more. Riding shopping carts like bumper cars. Go-karts, how they did the sob. Wasn't no cops, Air Force or Al Shabab. Less you talking toy guns in the backyard, in which case they were going hard. Obviously school's out, no inside voices scream and shout. The world's a playground, first kiss on the mouth, forgot to be embarrassed. But the sun crept, thinking of that empty house as the shadows stretch. The dog ran off, didn't come back yet.
1: This was the one that you said was your favorite in terms of the way it's put together and produced and mixed, right?
0: My favorite beat, yeah.
1: I love the way it sets up the kid analogy and then just hands it off to Crawl Space, both in terms of the writing and the production as well. Because the second half of the beat kind of walks into a version of what Crawl Space morphs into.
0: Yeah, I didn't spend a lot of time uh, thinking about this song, Crawl Space. But the one thing um, that I did woods talk about is how this album is a lot about isolation and that even for the the two guest verses on the album he feels like they're kind of isolated and there's no real interplay between the two voices um which is kind of fitting of the the theme so
1: well, Lucid's verse does feel very much like a button at the beginning of a completely different song the way that it swaps into Billy's verse
3: yeah this beat sound like 257 black kids hopping off the P14 bus like a universal circus clown car. Fresh braids, cuts, and kicks. Truant past burning woods, exposed wrists. Great smoke drift, stones, and sticks. Sure to talk shit like he's paid to do it. Major raised within a range of ruins, wakes and viewings. Screaming when I will, really come try, kill me out the moon roof. A real goonie goo goo, don't overcook the noodle. Tough to scribe revolutionaries, rolling beauty, still confuse me. I don't judge, still like my gold robes, dookie. Noose these four seasons, fresh out of reasons to not bug with you. Tough titty, I've never been really that comfortable. Sun still shine, run tell mine, darkening your threshold. Wages of sin, held in escrow. Salt, pepper, a barbecue sauce, the egg roll. a young, red bone, lips smack, deep fried in the dead zone. Get back. We sing philosophy and have bone precise findings. I reside inside a nigga rig time machine. Powered by bones of those who choose to survive by and means.
0: That's an awesome beat, too, actually.
1: Yeah. Yeah, this song I think is my favorite. Well, I'm hard pressed to appoint a song as like my favorite. I would say there's maybe two or three that I really and genuinely love on here, but this song has my favorite just sequence of lyrics. And it's actually a bridge between the end of a Lucid's verse and the beginning of uh, billy woods's verse that <laughs> i just love that idea where lucid is like we sing philosophy and bone, precise bindings where it's sort of a flip side of the way that everybody talks about how rap has no melody or no harmony it's all just rhythm it's rhythm 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 you know and then they try to use it as a shot to like discredit hip-hop as music so it's just funny to hear him flip it and use that sort of uh what is the word I'm looking for? Not black exploitation, but older than black exploitation, like the minstrel put the sort of minstrel twist on it with the ham bone precise bindings.
0: Yeah, I'm not familiar with ham bone. What is uh, ham bone, I I can't
1: do it, but it's like that oh. with your hands, like that rhythmic hand jive thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just real quick. I was going to say my favorite Billy Woods line is that whose ways are strange when it's time to survive, pray on the plane, get off, laugh at God. That's like people.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Just the the hypocrisy of people. Um, Yeah. The other thing I'm I'm remembering uh, Woods talking about, about this song in particular is how this is getting into like the rounding out the third quarter of the album and it's just been him and he's saying how like this album was well he was saying how it was like a claustrophobic um experience working on this album but also just he felt like at this point in the album like elucid provided this breath of fresh air that it needed and then the next song also has self jupiter I didn't properly uh, study that song, um, but "Toothy" I did because I felt like it relates most out of all the songs to the Little Red Riding Hood theme. Dessert. Are you having dinner, Mr. Wolf? Uh, not yet, not yet,
2: my dear. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas, make sure the masks fit, eyes glittering through the eye holes, exchange gifts, station chief from Cairo, add a name to the list. That's 86. The band's on played look how it sit. Mugabe never hesitated, Samora did. That's why Samora dead, Lee Perry alive. Cancer eight, Marty leg, old Bob won't die. All told, he told no lies. Count to ten when he closed both eyes. Orphan said, more please. Persephone came home to office with sore knees. Flush cheeks. I get why you don't want to believe that war to get deep. Obama Kush
0: when he speaks. The song starts off with... Halloween on Christmas makes sure the mask fit eyes glittering through the eye holes exchange gifts, which, um, relates like the little red riding hood story to the idea of, um, being costumed, hiding some kind of, uh, treacherous, uh, monster beneath the, uh, beneath the veneer, um, I guess Halloween on Christmas is like, you know, kind of brings up ideas of monsters and creepy stuff on a holiday, which is basically, well, while of course it has its history and Christianity, which has its own history and imperialism and violence and brainwashing and whatever, but also that the modern day. Christmas is like this corporate imposed holiday where we're supposed to go out and, uh, you know, feed the feed the system of capitalism, basically forced gift exchange, forced giving. Yeah. And then it goes on to like. mm, It references the station chief in Cairo, which, you know, I love looking into these lyrics because even if i'm not like necessarily getting the right references it's like sent me on so many interesting rabbit holes of research um learning about history and things i didn't know anything about that's a cia reference yes i i got that much but i wasn't sure like which um one he might be referring to um i looked into miles copeland jr who was um, behind Project FF or Fat Fucker, I think is what that stands for, Um, which was basically part of a coup operation in Egypt to overthrow the uh, leader there at the time in like 1952 or something. Um, And then, yeah, this guy, Miles Copeland Jr. is kind of interesting because he was a musician also and a CIA agent that was responsible for taking part in three different coups um so you know i i think it's possible that this is what woods is referring to um i don't know though and uh add a name to the list that's 86 i wasn't sure what that means except for like there's the if someone is 86 you know it means you're canceled and there's a couple different origin stories of of where that comes from and i think it's likely that he meant both of those references one being like the soup kitchens during the great depression supposedly a standard pot held 85 servings and if you were 86 on the list then you were you were screwed basically and then i guess during the korean war there was a the f-86 fighter jet um they would get shot down so you were like eighty-sixth something like that but um yeah i i I went more into this i guess there was another a mugabe reference here where it says mugabe never hesitated samora did that's why samora dead and i think that's talking about the uh mugabe refusing to wait for the the transfer of the land um and just said do it you know go now um
1: that's what's funny though because uh Samara Mikel died in a plane crash it wasn't even like an uprising that he died from but it was a transfer of power when he died from Mugabe or to Mugabe I should say
0: yeah apparently I don't know the details but apparently there is a lot of speculation that the plane crash was um Not just an innocent plane crash. Um, But he was, yeah, Samora Michelle was apparently an anti-colonial Marxist revolutionary who led the struggle struggle for independence in Mozambique, which borders Zimbabwe, which is where Woods, we should mention, he grew up there apparently in Zimbabwe from the time he was like 5 till 13 around those years, I think. Something like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he mentioned in an interview, he talked about his dad being a Marxist and how he had this vision of his dad with a rifle out there making a difference in the streets. But then when he actually visited him in Zimbabwe, he was more of a political writer than anything else. Which, you know, still influenced him, but he was just like, you've got that idea of your dad out there starting revolution, you know?
0: Right. Uh, yeah, that could be a formative yeah thing
1: one thing i love that he does is takes novels and traditional stories and recontextualizes them because he's got that line of a persephone came home to orpheus with sore knees and flushed cheeks which just completely flips the character structure of the orpheus story you know
0: yeah did
1: it go ahead
0: Oh I was just going to say from what I understand like I'm no Greek mythology buff but uh I I think there was there wasn't much um crossover between those characters in the actual mythology and that Persephone was they were, like, they were opposed. Yeah. She was the wife of the devil basically and Orpheus was like this uh hero figure and then from what I understand Persephone was like kind of like given away to the devil by her father zeus you know like not like it wasn't her choice to become the the wife of hades um which is kind of that's correct kind of relates to the whole like growing up as a child into an unjust system Yeah, in
1: an earlier song too he brings up uh mrs haversham from great expectations yeah. Who was like a jilted bride who always wore a wedding dress. But when he's talking about her, you know, he's like naked down from the waist, <laughs> aged <laughs> like greats. So, you know, he won her over. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And he has another Charles Dickens reference in this song, too, where the orphan said more, please, from uh, mm. Oliver Twist, which I don't think I ever read. But I did enjoy Great Expectations. Oh, yeah. And then he also talks about. Obama being basically like a smooth talking pimp is what I got out of it, which I like because I don't really care for Obama. Um, But uh, the chorus is, Oh granny, what big eyes you got all the better to watch for the cops. Oh granny, what big ears those is all the better to hear the pigs. And this is like kind of alluding to granny being uh, paranoid of, of the, uh, the cops basically, um, and
1: paranoid but opportunistic because there's that whole oh, granny, those are some sharp teeth, all the better when it's time to eat. So, you know, it's like, yeah, avoid them, but we get the chance to ba- uh, balance the odds. Yeah, yeah I'll leave it. At...
0: It could be that, it could also be just the idea that, like, the the paranoia, um, or the uh, the, the larger system that one lives within can turn someone into a monster of sorts and make them a dangerous person in general. Like, they those teeth might be to eat the uh, little red riding hood just as much as they might be to eat the pigs, you know?
1: Yeah, eat whatever eat the bag of candy snuck
0: in there's probably more layers to the meanings of of that but uh shall we move on
1: red dust
0: yeah this is the last one i specifically wanted to talk about because it's the last song on the album and woods um talks about it as possibly being his like most important or best or favorite song it's like really a meaningful song to him. And um, I was a little confused about the meaning of it. So I, I don't know how much I can really speak on it, but um, I have some things to say about it for sure. So here is Red Dust. It's not the heat.
2: It's the crutch. It's not greed. That's not enough. It's not the heat. It's the dust. It's not the drugs. It's the cut. It's not the act. It's the touch. It's how she arch her back when she knocked the plane out the sky? Sparked the genocide. Let's see who gives who a place to hide. You might be surprised. Might not. Either way, be wise to retrieve that black box if you live. Sometimes it's best just to circle the block. I was in the ceiling when they swept the building. I kept my head down when cops came for the children. I rode the train every day past that fucking prison. I broke bread with killers and rapists. I got money with niggas you should not leave with the child for two they don't tell you
0: that and they rap one other thing i heard um woods saying about this song is that he felt like he exercised some demons in a way like in writing the song like it was a big release for him um he said he, he i think he said he, he felt something evil leave him as he <laughs> recorded this or something along those lines um, and i think that may refer more to the second verse which um is talking i think a little bit more about like the bloodlust of revenge um vengeance i felt like in general the the just red dust alone could could mean like a desert like i i imagine this song is like a future scenario after the world's been like decimated by um our system and greed and all that um and that you know the forest is gone all that's left is a desert and the dust is red because of the blood the bloodshed um
1: i don't know if they directly said it in three kings but it also gives me vibes of like soldiers and like the saudi arabian conflicts where you're there in the desert and I feel like that was like common feedback where people was like, was it hot? It's like, well, yeah, it was hot, but it's not so much the heat. It's just this constant dust everywhere that like gets to you.
0: Yeah, I imagine it is referring to something specific like that. I read somewhere someone was saying it refers to like an old miners gripe, but I, I don't know.
1: I do love the run where he starts and I was in the ceiling, which kind of gets back to the whole Gestapo thing you were talking about and just the general paranoia and, you know, the, uh, the well-founded paranoia because yeah, you never know when they're going to flip the regime switch, but yeah, I love that whole run from I was in the ceiling and then it flips into the whole thing about people rapping and, you know, kind of building up their stature in the raps and then talking about how that's a new thing. And it's like, don't tell me how they rap in the past. I'm from the past, you know. It's not that different. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, I love that round of lyrics that he does there. It's one where he just, he's already snapping and then he just kicks it into like this other emotional level and you kind of hear him like feeling himself in those lyrics and really just pushing it out there
0: yeah yeah and i feel like maybe this can relate to another meaning of hiding places which is i feel like he means for his lyrics to be a bit dense and hard to understand and that he's purposefully obscuring some ideas that might be controversial like violent revolution i I would say i don't know i hope he doesn't mind us talking about it in public like this or maybe we're wrong maybe i'm wrong
1: yeah we're we're not him so if we don't speak for him this is 100 percent our interpretation you know as fans of or i can't speak for you as a fan i would say i'm a fan based on discovering this album
0: i'm a huge fan yeah the more i the more i examine his lyrics and deeper i try to get into it the more i realize he's a fucking genius and i don't think there's anyone that really compares to him uh i mean maybe there are but i feel like he's a he's pretty much at the top of the game as far as rap lyrics go
1: yeah we talked at the end of the last episode when we were deciding to do this album and i mentioned how I just discovered them last year. And I don't know how I didn't put it together, but I had heard of Armand Hammer, but I didn't realize until I was uh, (laughs) researching this album that Armand Hammer was Elucid and Billy Woods, because I hear it in the Billy Woods now that I know, but Elucid was rapping a little different back then than what he does on this album.
0: Yeah, I was... I was just realizing there's another group he was part of, or a couple other groups. Um, one was Super Kron Flight Brothers, which I had heard before. It's like him and one other guy, and I don't really care so much for the other guy, Like he's, but he sounds really great even back then, whenever that was, which was, I don't know, like late aughts or something. Um, and then there's another one called The Reavers, which I'm looking forward to hearing, um, which was like more of a, a larger collective, I think, of people. Um, but that's a,
1: that's a Firefly reference. Uh, I talk about Reavers in some of my songs sometimes.
0: Oh, I never watched Firefly. You mean the TV yeah, show?
1: The, uh, yeah, the old TV show. Um, and I forget what song he talks about in this, on this album, or which song it is, but he mentions how he lives on the edge of the white. You know, you look all the way to the edge of the white, and that's where I exist. Oh, the reavers are the ones that exist all the way on the edge of the black where like space basically turns into nothing and it's just black Ah. and they're like these mad pirates that have no regard for humanity you know if they get a hold of you they do horrible awful nightmarish things to you and then they kill you
0: (laughs) yeah i think i i like to believe i live on the edge of the white um
1: yeah, that'll... i don't know if that's the reference for that group reavers is but i'd like to think that's what the reference is
0: cool sounding word anyway yeah well thank you for making this album woods and kenny siegel um i i gained a new appreciation for kenny siegel uh listening to this album more closely in the last week i'd kind of i think just discounted him a little bit as like a traditionalist as far as his uh compositions go, but uh there's actually some really interesting stuff going on in here, so I think I have to listen more closely to his other work. Um and he's a really nice guy too. He was
1: you are familiar with Kenny Siegel then, like prior to this album?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean he did the uh I mean he's done a lot of stuff, but just this past year, uh Rap Ferrer's Purple Moonlight Pages, awesome album. And the uh Serengeti Ajay album, which is also really cool. I think maybe we should talk about Serengeti in a future I,
1: I am putting him on the list here. I purposely wrote a list and Serengeti is a great choice for that list. Awesome. Yeah, this was a this was a fun one though. There's a whole lot with Billy Woods, you know, maybe when we've got 20, 30 episodes under our belt, we should look at a different Billy Woods album or Arm and Hammer album or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This really has made me want to take a closer listen to his most recent album, to the um, Terror Management album, which I think a lot of people kind of overlooked, um, including myself. I don't know. It came out near like the end of the year, and there was our, he'd already released this other album previous like a few months or something previous to that so um i, I yeah. think it probably deserves more of a consideration
1: um, well, one thing i do want to do before we before we cut the episode off i do have to give a shout out to dead and hip-hop for introducing me to billy woods uh mike c-town in particular he talked this album up a lot and i eventually was like i need to listen to this because i dig that guy's taste so
0: Yeah, I like hearing Mike C-Town. I've tried to contact him a couple times to try to get him involved in one way or another with weird rap, and he's never gotten back to me. So fuck you, Mike C-Town. Just kidding. Um, But uh, salute to Billy Woods. He's one of, if not the best, doing it right now.
1: Agreed. I wish more people knew about him, maybe in due time.